0: creamy chewing show your source of entertainment and overall fuckery and it starts now Welcome back to another exciting episode of Screamy Two Show. I'd like to introduce special guest, actor, producer, writer, jack of all trades, Bill Foster. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing great. Thanks for having
1: me today. Yeah, man, thanks for thanks for being on. You bet, you bet. Always glad to. So how you doing, man? Oh, doing good. Worked in the vineyard for a while this morning, so came home and joined the afternoon with the grandkids and I've been working on a short movie, trying to get it finished up today and working on entering some contests and, you know, just kind of do a little computer work this afternoon, getting some things done. Work never ends, huh? <laughs> that never does. My wife said, I don't know what stopping relax is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good, man. <laughs> Gotta stay yeah, busy, right? That's right. Keeps you busy. Keeps you going. So uh, what movie are you working on? Right now I'm working on our short movies called I've Got Your Six. It's a, uh, about 20 minutes long. And I wrote this movie and uh, we had a brainstorm and it's turned out really well where we made every actor in it a veteran in the military, U.S. veteran. And so because it's about a World War II veteran, he's 93 years old and he's in the nursing home <clears throat> and he sees in the newspaper where they're fixing to turn his old farm into a uh, shopping center. So he wants to, even though he sold it years ago, he wants to go back and see it one last time. So he escapes from the nursing home and goes to his old farm. And, uh, of course, you know, that doesn't go over well when you escape from the nursing home. So uh, <laughs> a deputy that finds him happens to be, and really is an Iraqi war veteran. So I wrote, kind of wrote that in there as that, but uh, they develop this bond while he's, tr- you know, he starts off trying to get him, let's, let, let me get you back to the nursing home. Let's go, let's go. And the old man's like, you know, just sit right here. Let's sit down. I want to tell you about this old, because the newspaper called it worthless piece of land and he wants to convince people it's not really worthless. And so he has sat down beside him and, and through the movie, you can see the bond being built between this deputy and this 93 year old man, a young 30 you know, something deputy and a 93 year old man all of a sudden create a bond because, you know, they're both in the army. One fought in the Philippines in World War II, the other fought in Iraq. So they, they joined together and, and the the captain at back at headquarters, he's not a vet, veteran, so he's trying to get the uh, old man hauled in, you know, bring him back to the nursing home. And so the deputy defies his uh, superior and says, "I'm not bringing him in." And so, Damn. And, and in the, in your know, small towns, everybody has a scanner, you know. And what they mm-hmm. don't realize is, while the, the the deputy and the captain are arguing on the radio, all these veterans are starting to hear what's going on. And all of a sudden, it's like the cavalry comes. And so they're like, not today, not on my watch. And so they just start going, they go to help the old man. And, and I don't know if you ever heard of Bill Evans, the uh, jazz pianist back in the uh, 70s and early, late 60s, like 18 times uh, Emmy Award winning. His son, Evan, is my musician, and he's worked on the music. And the music itself. It's like a journey right now. You know, I can sit back and I told Evan today, I said, I can sit back and just take a journey on the music by itself without even watching the movie. (laughs) And I don't know if you're supposed to be moved by when you watch your own movie or not, but I just got through watching it a while ago and I just sat there and stared at it. I just couldn't do anything. You know, I was so moved by the music and the acting and the dialogue. I forget I wrote it. I forget I directed it. I just enjoyed the movie. Wow. That's when you know so it's good. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. The music, you know, it's amazing when you get that music interlocked with the the movie, and it just moves you to a different place. And so we're, I'm entering it in a contest as uh, soon as we get off the air here in, in Arizona, and then next week I'll enter it in the Cannes Film Festival or Cannes Film Festival. I guess I learned, need to learn how to say it right. Cannes Film Festival. I'll put it <laughs> both ways, but but they've like, they've got a special section for short movies, and I'm going to enter it in there. And got invited, just so happened, got invited today to enter uh, it in the, uh, it's Castravia Film Festival in Italy. So, you know, Damn. why not? We will try to get it going over there too. So, um, you know, working on some invitations now to have a private viewing. So some of those, that's really had an integral part in to come watch it maybe next Saturday night before everybody else does. The VIP viewing, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 VIP viewing at the house. <laughs> Damn, that sounds badass. Colleges, about, 15, about 15 or 16 people, you know, get together and watch it. And, and Stephenville, where I'm living now, it's a town of about 100,000 people. Actually, their college here just went Division One. They're going to have a big red carpet spotlight for everybody that's involved in the movie. Big, big premiere for it. And I've talked to a guy that sings of the background in the bar room. He's going to do a concert, and then after the concert, then we move into and watch the movie. So, uh it's going to be a pretty neat deal. Once, once COVID lifts and we can have, we can all gather again, you know, in the bars. Oh man, damn. It's going to, it's going to be crazy, man. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we've got bikers, you know, veteran bikers in the movie and they're just as nice as they can be. And, we got cowboys, and, you know, I got them all in a bar, and I said, okay, we're not going to have any cowboys versus biker fights today. You know? <laughs> just one day. All, yeah, and they all worked together well and, and just did anything we asked them to, and especially when, you know, I asked them to rev up their bikes for the microphone, and nearly blew the microphone out, you know, big old Harley's going after it. And uh, so, you know, we'll have all of those. We ended up with probably 50, 75 volunteers in the movie, you know, of veterans, all ages from 20 to – 90 probably in there and so uh, it's just really neat to watch all those veterans come together and we got a counselor on set we never had to use her, luckily but it was amazing talking to some of those that i knew personally they were talking about how hard it was for them mentally to join together again with a bunch of veterans that had been to vietnam and they'd been to vietnam they kind of you know couldn't help but start talking about some things and some of them told, told me it was really hard for them to finish this movie because it was so emotional being around that many veterans again, you know, like one of them had never been around veterans and since he came back from Vietnam back in '71, and so you know he had a he's got a story all of his own. You know, when he came back, he got in the airport. They wouldn't they blocked him. and wouldn't let him go to the restroom. You know, back in, back in the day. And so he said, "I just went on the wall. You know, they're gonna block me. I'll just stand right here in the hallway and what you watch me. I'm gonna go to the bathroom." You know. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know he's got you know all these type of stories i got my father-in-law in there who was in air force 25 years and and he served in vietnam also and got got him on there and and so uh just got and so we try to use a whole men women young and old all in it and try to get together. but i'm really excited about this movie here even though it is just a short i'm i'm fired up about it and uh you know veterans they have the
0: best stories
1: <laughs> oh yeah Yes. You know, I've got a distant cousin that won the congressional medal of honor. I've got that on my idea list for movies in the future, uh, in world war two. And, uh, you know, just different things like that. I wrote a screenplay about Vietnam and, and we perform they performed it in the local theater and it they performed it nine times and had nine standing ovations. And, and immediately wow. after people were talking about, I need to turn it into a movie and, and add to, you know, add the Vietnam part and all that. So I, we want to go to the Philippines and film that, so that's on my list to do. And so, I'm 58, so I've got enough to do from now till I'm 78. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't plan on slowing down any. That's good, man.
0: You know, because they say once you um, I heard anyway that once you retire and like you stop doing stuff, uh, I heard that people have a shorter lifespan. I
1: don't know if oh, it's yeah. true. Use my dad for example. He he died just uh, in December. He's 87 but he was about 82 and he up, he retired when he was 75, 76. And he went to therapy and he was walking and doing everything. And then when he got to be about 80, 81, he said, I'm done. And he sat down. And when he sat down and quit doing it, his health just dr- drastically went down and we ended up putting him in the nursing home back in 2016. So he was there for four years, you know? And so, uh, it does, once you stop, your body gets, uh, not complacent, but it just goes in that atrophy. And it, your mind, you know, he quit going around people. So his mind quit being exercised. You know, there is st- scientific proof that the more people you're around, the more your mind stays active, the longer your life. And so, uh, you know, don't become a hermit. You don't know, go in there. And so, uh, yeah. Do that. stimulate your mind. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what inspired you to write this movie?
1: uh i've had this script in my mind for a long time i mean i just it was just like a, a short essay when i first started it and i never did write it down but it's like a one-page essay i was thinking about you know an old man talking about his land and, and the history of his land and, and everything that went on in this valley and uh <clears throat> after we got close to finishing the feature movie i started trying to move on and i really wanted somebody special to play the deputy and a friend of mine, Mike Alvarado, one day I'm out in my vineyard working and I just happened to think of him. I said, you know, Mike would be a great person to play at Deputy. So I quit what I was doing. Went and got my phone and called him. he's said, man, I'm all on board. Sent him the script. He loved it. And so, uh, you know, I cast him right away because we were going to do veterans and he's from, our, it was in Iraq. And then we did casting calls for the rest of it. Corbett Hall is plays the old man, wonderful actor. He plays in my, in my showdown on the Brazos too, but Both of those two guys, it's going to be a battle who gets best actor and and best supporting actor. I don't – you know, I would choose one over the other one just a little bit just because of the role, the way it's written. But I don't know. The judges may pick them completely opposite, but they're going to win some awards. I guarantee you that. Damn, man. Wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, I sit there and watch it and forget who I am, where I'm at, you know, just watching them. They did such a great job.
0: That's when it's a good movie, when you just get lost in it.
1: hmm Yep. And, and it was one in my, my first movie that I was not acting in, I stayed directly behind the camera directing it and not acting. And and a lot of people ask which one I like to do better. I love acting, don't get me wrong. But it's about 60-40, 70-30 right now. Uh 60 to 70 percent directing, 30 to 40 percent acting, because when you're acting, you create that one person that in the picture. If you say you take a big picture and you say, okay, I'm going to create this one character in here, but directing, you create the whole picture, you paint the whole thing. And so especially when you're, you're lucky enough, and, and I've been real lucky enough to write some, some of the screenplays that, that have turned out well. And, and so uh, that makes it even more, you know, because I've already got it up here, exactly what I want to see. And uh, I've got a new assistant and he's worked in the movies a lot, Paul Foster, no relation, but he's always laughing at me because he said, novelist directors are the hardest to work with because we want to tell everything. We're not, <laughs> you know, not a true movie director. He says, you got to leave something for the audience to speculate and try to figure out. And as a novelist, you're writing all that in there, you know, and as a novelist, you're describing the setting and describing the feelings you're describing everything. And you put your dialogue in there with it. As a director, movie director, you know, you leave all that out and let them figure it out and bring it into them. So I'm learning through that, but he, he keeps laughing at me. No, we're not gonna shoot that scene. That's the that's the novelist coming out in you. No, we'll skip that one. So well, I never thought of it that way, but that makes sense because as a novelist,
0: yeah. every little detail is in there.
1: Mm-hmm. The smell yeah, and the either, air. I hadn't either until I started working with Paul, and he he started making fun of me. Like, <laughs> okay, you're right, I understand. <laughs> He's I'll leave that out of there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Leave that part out. You don't need to tell them how to get from point A to point B because if you're riding about a cowboy riding off a hill down into a valley, you're, you're taking everybody along with you down that hill and down the valley. But in the movie, you just got the man riding the horse down and, and you're not telling the whole thing. And so, you know, you go from five or six pages of telling how the horse is sliding through the sand and the <laughs> gravel rolling down the hills and everything to 10 seconds of video, you know?
0: <laughs> wow. So, is this uh is this your first time uh writing and directing
1: uh showdown on the brazos is uh and then well i take it back i did do, do a little directing with iphone on the contest which i won several years ago uh but the contest went belly up so they caught oh. the judge called and said you won but you don't get your money because oh. we're in lawsuits and so i was like well okay so and what that was they sent you a, a script and then you 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 portrayed it how you wanted to and i shot it on the iphone and that kind of spurred me on to doing a showdown on the Brazos and i wrote the screenplay. And, and so I really expanded on that. Started out 30 pages. Now it's 120 started out with four or five actors. Now it's over 250 actors. Damn. Uh, yeah. And the last scenes that we're going to film has 75 to a hundred people in the scene. You know, it's a hanging scene, a big town scene, and a couple others. And so, uh, with the governor saying that we could only gather 10 at the time, uh, kind of blew us out of the water. We were all scheduled and everything. And, uh, that came out was like doggone it we almost got it in but I'm so fixing to close. ask yeah yeah so close then I'm fixing to send a waiver, ask the county judge for waiver see if he can let us film without you know because there's 75 cars there everybody's gonna know there's gonna be too many people there it's not like you're hiding it it's on the main street of town there's a movie sets right there and there's gonna be cars everywhere they're gonna know something's going on so there's no hiding it so I'm, I'm gonna ask him if we can go ahead and film and see if he'll grant us that waiver but We'll see, and then we can finish it and get it out, too. So we were hoping to be through, but, you know, we were through it one time, but then when we sent it to our second editor, which is Paul now, he and I sat down and watched the whole movie, and he looked at it a whole different perspective, and there were some gaps in it that we really didn't like. And so I went back and rewrote some scenes to tie those gaps together, and that's what we were shooting. And we had three weekends of, of filming to do, and we got two of them out of the way, and that third one was just COVID got us. Oh, man. Um. So. uh, So it, it sounds
0: like um, like a western, but a little bit of modernized with some bikers type
1: in it. The, the I've got your six is a modern day western. I've oh. got your six is modern day western because you know they dress up like the deputy has the white shirt, khaki pants, and hat on, like we wear in Texas and, and a lot of in Arizona. They wear the rocky. Do they all? Does Arizona? place most of them wear the rocky type. Yeah. Flat rim. Yeah, you know, in Texas, we all wear Stetsons as far as law enforcement. So he's got the Stetson on. The old man has the old cowboy hat on. In fact, I've got it here somewhere though. My grandkids are like, "Papa, that's your hat. And I was like, yeah, here it is. <laughs> I don't know where it went. But, uh, the, and then, you know, so then you, that puts it into where I can enter it into some modern Western, uh, contest. And so, uh, You know, the old man talks about raising horses and vegetables on the farm. So it kind of gives it that farm rural related uh, atmosphere to it. So and then, of course, then the the people that come to help him with the veterans, they're all walks of life, you know, mechanics, uh, bikers, cooks, waitresses, bartenders, everybody come to his aid. So it it, it helped, you know, we we tried to blend everybody. And kind of the purpose of the movie, too, is to let veterans know when they feel like they're all alone, they're really not. There's always that network out there that's there to help them whenever they get ready. I love that, man, because, you know, I could see how they could feel like maybe
0: alone, you know, because you Mm -hmm. come out of war and there's a lot of stuff you probably went through that people don't
1: understand. And you probably can't talk about, you know, maybe. Yeah, in fact, just a little bit, uh, the man that plays the deputy, he he doesn't like to sleep because he knows when he goes to sleep, he's going to have some of these flashbacks from the Iraq war. And so he's still, even as long as he's been out of it, still has trouble as many of them would, you know, losing friends and things over there that they really can't talk about because they come back and let's say you're excited to be home, you're excited to be around your family, but then there's nobody that you can relate to to talk about what you just went through my military advisor he's in there plays a a cowboy that hears it on his truck radio and comes and talks to the old man you know he he told me he had some of the same issues of of uh coming back he's a little too aggressive when he came back had to really go through some things through some counseling to really calm down and and get down to everybody's level because you're so hyped up when you're over there it's life and death and you know you're on that edge all the time I can't imagine and then all of a sudden you come home and and your, you know, wife, two kids running around the house and is this it? You know, you know nobody's shooting at me. You know? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he had some really difficult times. And, and I know thousands of veterans out there that are like that. And so hopefully this will help show them that, you know, there's people not only civilians but veterans that are out there that can, that can help them out and uh, get them through these tough times. That's so awesome. Um, you know I used to have a neighbor.
0: His name was Ed, and he was an old guy. And uh, when when I first met him, like uh, I, I thought he was crazy because like my brother he <laughs> he was little and he was like a really hyper kid, and he like go in the backyard and like mess around and stuff. And at night he had one. You remember those little laser pointers? hmm So he had one of those, and he was shining it to our neighbor's backyard, to Ed's backyard. And then Ed points a laser back at my little brother. He's like, you know what this is? This is a 45. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. And then, you know, later we started talking and uh I got to know Ed and we became really good friends. And you know, he I would sit down in his front yard and he'd just tell me all these stories. And he just I, I could just sit there all day and just listen to him, you know?
1: Oh yeah. My uh, cousin, distant cousin, that won the Congressional Medal of Honor, to tell you his story real quick. And there's a, there's a hill now, uh, unofficially named Knight's Hill. His last name is Knight. And uh, they were pinned down by the Japanese in India. And uh, a lot of people don't know we even fought in India, but we were. And they, we were pinned down. And nobody could move because if, if you got from behind your cover, you got shot or shot at. I mean, they, they were bunkers. They were just all there, and they couldn't get out. Well, back in World War II, I don't know if you know this, not you go in on a buddy system. You and your friend, you and your brother could go in together, and you were guaranteed to go through boot camp together and be stationed together. You were never split apart. So him and his brother were together, and he sees his brother get shot. And so he thinks his brother's dead, which I'll go ahead and tell you, his brother was not killed, but he was injured, but he wasn't killed. But he thinks his brother's dead, so he goes crazy. And he jumps up and starts charging the pillboxes. You know what pillboxes are, you know, cement barriers that you can barely see through. And he's throwing grenades in the Japanese pillboxes, blowing them up one time. And he's by himself going up this mountain. And they're shooting him and wounding him. And he just keeps going and, and blowing them up, blowing them up. And everybody, always men see him and just go freak crazy and jump up and charge the hill. And so once he gets shot, mortally wounded, he lays there with his radio and con- continues to give orders on how to capture the mountain until he dies. And his men, they were so enraged by him getting shot, and they all jump up out of their their, uh, barrier from their hiding and and take over the mountain and take it away from the Japanese. And so they named it after him, Knight's Hill, and that's how he won the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor. So there's a movie there. I just, uh, you know, that's on my list. That's so badass. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his brother lived to be able to tell the story. And, in fact, an uncle – What's amazing is an uncle on the other side of my family was there and saw it too, and you know you wouldn't think that you know through all that together the the stories would ever come together like that, but an uncle on the, on the other side of my dad's mother's side was uh actually there, and then it was a cousin on the uh, the the other side of the family that was actually shot so uh it's amazing how you know the world was so small at that little bit of t- little window of time. That uh, he said, you know, the Japanese just cut him down. As soon as he got out in the open, they just started hammering him with the bullets. And-
0: hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. He is, yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a uh, publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy, you'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816-605-4561. Or if you would like to email him, it's uh, all one word, starts with a capital S, and it's network at gmail.com. So, again, starts with a capital S. And then it's T-E-V-E-S-J-N-E-T-W-O-R-K at gmail.com. Tell him, Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And, uh, yeah, so big shout-out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. I go goodie. I might get hungry later, baby. Hold this hot dog for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what it feels like when you're broke down.
1: Oh, yeah. See, this is why when I transport weed, I only carry one gram on me, but when I carry it in a, like an 800-pound safe. Oh. <laughs> we are Happy Hour oh, News team. Follow us.
0: The they say you're damaged.
1: We love Florida, man.
0: Say they're all damaged, damaged, they're all go damaged, good. Oh, Should we talk cars. Oh. Should we do be, do be, do be, do be, do?
1: Shoo-bee-doo-bee-doo-bee-doo.
0: No. <laughs> uh, if you don't if you don't know where you're at, oh I know where I'm at. But oh, but you just said where am I? Well I was trying to like save myself. <laughs> no, just, I didn't even think about it. Fuck, there's a microphone. Where Big yellow truck. Driving away. I think you've had too much, buddy. <laughs>
1: We are happy our news team. We are happy hour news team.
0: You can't be fixed. All the women in the neighborhood. They say you're damaged. What the fuck are you talking they about? Say damaged. We are happy our news team. Follow us.
1: Let's get back around to to our regular regularly scheduled bullshit.
0: <laughs> hey, 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 hold on. Don't leave just yet. There's more
1: podcasts to listen to like monster legend podcast, the weekly podcast about cryptids and folklore around the world. with Me, Tanner Davidson. Each week we'll go to a different place. Talk about all the monsters, all the old scary folklore, all the UFOs and aliens, conspiracy theories, all that stuff. Happening every Monday at 12 p.m. on every podcasting platform I could possibly think of, of submitting my podcast to. So listen and tell your friends about it. And enjoy this episode of this podcast. Thank you. And you know, He made it through and killed several of them and then was able to, as he died, radio in to uh, direct everybody to, to take the mountain. So it's amazing you know, amazing story, you know, and and there's like that, you know, how how many stories like that are untold, you know, of of true valor, these guys taking fire and, and, uh, you know, I I was watching a movie the other day. I couldn't believe the stunts they did in this movie. What was that? Lone Survivor. Have you seen that movie, Lone Survivor? No. Oh man. You got to watch it just for the stunts. When they jump off this mountain, they're rolling down these mountains and you're just like, how did the stunt men do that? You know, But to be able to think that was a true story, you know, there's one survives out of all the the military on that one mountain over in Iraq is unbelievable. But, you know, just recreating that is unbelievable. I got to check that out. Lone Survivor. Yeah. Oh, it's a great movie. Great. Mark Wahlberg was in it. Uh, Several, uh, Ben Foster. You know what? I I think I actually seen it. Yeah, it's been, it's several, it's probably five or six years old, but I don't watch that many movies, believe it or not. Don't have time, but I did sit and watch that movie, and it it, it really does move you. And so, hopefully, some of these movies I, I'm making will move people the same way. Uh, you know, it's a good movie when the end of it and they roll credits, and everybody's going to be still sitting there watching. You know, they're like, you know, <laughs> but the showdown on the is just got some funny things. And you know, I, it's not all serious. It I, and it's funny. Paul, he's not a comedian. My assistant. And he doesn't understand a lot of the jokes. You know, you have different, ca- different characteristics and people. And he, he's not a comedian. And so he's like, why'd they say that? I said, <laughs> I said, Oh, they were joking. Oh, it's funny now. Yeah. I understand it. And then he gets to the other part and goes, what are y'all talking about? I said, It's a joke. Oh, okay. Okay. I understand. <laughs> we'll leave it in there. <laughs> goes over <Yeah>. his head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the part I I didn't realize that mistake I made on that movie I wrote it this way. I wrote it to where the the main captain of the Texas Rangers and his partner, one, the main captain is very stiff and stoic all the time and his partner is the comedian and he's always making light heart and everything. But I had my character crack a joke or two and he's like, we got to keep you the same stoic all the time. So we cut a lot of my joking out. But when I wrote the script, I told Larry Welch who plays my partner, I said, I really like your role better. You're funny, you're lighthearted. hearted you're you're the womanizer you're fun you know fun to be around drinking and get drunk type guy and i'm I'm this guy that just lost his family due to some outlaws and and I don't want to you know do anything but just fight and kill and smoke <laughs> cigars you know
0: <laughs> nice wow
1: so so you got i got your six and then uh you got another movie you're working on. Yeah, the showdown on the Brazos, that's when I was talking about the two Texas Rangers, and that's when we're just about through, and then I've just finished, uh, I had the manuscript written, it's called I I Heard the Quail Whistle, and I just transferred it into a screenplay and entered it in several uh, contests, but I've got four results back and already won four awards, and so it's four for four. Damn. Damn. Yeah, it, it's it's exciting. We're going to start trying to pitch it to, over the winter time, and hopefully if COVID will let us start filming next spring, that will be one that's going to be fully funded. You know, there's, I can't do any more. We funded the showdown on the Brazos, and also I've got your six, and but we just can't do that anymore. Uh, it's not fair to my wife or the bank either. <laughs> <more>. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, it's like she said, I'm ready to see something coming in rather than going out. So we'll start pitching that to investors and hopefully we'll be able to start shooting that. And it's a Western, but it's a twist. My wife challenged me. I'd written three or four novels and I've had one of them published and uh, she challenged me one day, we were on vacation in the mountains. And she says, you need to write a Western about a woman being a hero you can't turn down a challenge from your wife. You know, that's like, you can't, you can't do it. You got to do it. And so I wrote this story about a woman being the hero and, and that's, I heard the quail whistle. And so um, it's, it's got a little twist there. Whereas the Irish redheaded lady, like Maureen O'Sullivan, uh, you know, she's the hero of the whole movie.
0: Nice. I love that. You know, you don't see that very
1: often in movies, especially Westerns. And that's why I did it, because it's such a twist. Now, write all my movies like the old 1950, 60 uh, genre of Westerns, you know, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, the good guy, uh, things like that. I don't, li- don't like a lot of the new ones. Um, now, some of them like Tombstone, you know, just a good old Western. That's the kind that you really like, the truthful type. And so we try to make it as truth as possible. And, you know, the women back then had to be so strong, but yet nobody listened to them. They couldn't even vote or own a business back then, but yet they took care of the kids. People don't know it, but they took care of all the chores around the house. You know, they gathered the eggs, fed the chickens, milked the cows, fed the hogs while the husband was out plowing in the field. And then when the husband came back, she had to have supper ready for him, the kids bathed in bed, and then get up early next morning, cook breakfast, and start all over again. And uh, so I, I tried to draw on that for the, the woman character and uh, that inner strength. And she goes through a lot of changes in life because it's, they're Irish immigrants moving across with the promise of free land back in the 1870s, eighties. And something happens to them along the way on the wagon train. I can't tell you what happens, but without giving away the, the details, but you know, she goes to really change in life and she goes from, let's say victim to vigilante is the whole premise of the whole movie. So, and then there's this, uh, an old Marshall, you know, that everybody's trying to get to retire. Robert Duvall type character that, uh, he he comes along and helps her out, you know, and everybody's trying the the Marshal Service is trying to get him to retire and he won't retire because he's old, you know, he's old crotchety <laughs> marshal He's <And>, stubborn. <laughs> uh, yeah, he refuses to retire. Still the old style, you know, track them down, shoot them, ask questions later. And uh so it it's really a blending of of an old and young, you know an older man helping a younger woman out. She goes through a lot of changes and, and he's going through changes too. Does he retire? Does he keep doing what he's doing? And like I said, does he sit down and start poking at the fire the rest of his life or, or keep chasing outlaws? You know? <laughs> hey, that sounds pretty fun, right? Chasing outlaws. <laughs> yeah. As long as it don't shoot back it's good. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> That's the good thing about riding it. You can ride and not, you know, I might get powder burns, but I don't get wounded too often. <laughs> Now, I did break my leg filming uh, showdown on the Brazos. Ouch. I, my horse fell on me. I, he was kind of jumping around, so I thought I'd ride him around the corner, and I rode him around the corner in the dirt road. I thought it was dirt. It was asphalt with sha- wood shavings on it. And when he turned, he caught that asphalt, and his foot went out from under and fell on me, broke my leg. One man saw me, so he goes over and helps me. I said, just get me back on my horse. I got back on my horse, worked oh. the rest of that from noon till the end of the day, and then 12 hours the next day, continued to direct and act. And that was on Sunday. Wednesday, I had a plate put in my leg. You're and crazy, man. It, it hurt. Oh, gosh. There's one scene where I go into a building. A group of us do. And I told my cameraman when was, we were doing the editing. I said, when I walked through that door, I was doing everything to try to keep throwing up. It hurt so because I had to ride a horse, get off the horse, walk up some steps, and go in the building without limping. And, uh, oh, my god. And I was leaning against the building, you know, just like, and the guys inside were like, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm just tired. And I was just like, I wasn't (laughs) telling anybody. You know, my leg was broke. I knew it was broke. Just uh, tired? Yeah, the blacksmith in my movie is actually the number one doctor, pain doctor in San Antonio, and we were right by San Antonio. So he's sitting there, he goes, Sunday afternoon, he says, will not you come on down tomorrow morning before we open, and I'll x-ray it for you for free. And so we went down to San Antonio, and we x-ray it, and I hear the x-ray technician go, uh-oh. That's not a good sign. That's kind of like hearing a barber say, Oh crap. You know? <laughs> Very true. They wanted to do surgery right then, but you know, that is was in San Antonio three, four hours away from home. And I said, I don't want to put my wife through that. So we put a cast on it and came came home and they uh did surgery Wednesday and that that kind of delayed filming for two months because I couldn't film with a cast on my leg, but but uh I can break a leg a little too serious, <laughs> you know. They say break a leg. <laughs> I took it a little too serious. Man, you're crazy, man! You broke your leg and you still filmed. Yeah, kept a straight the straight face. The doctor said they couldn't believe the bone didn't come through the skin because oh. I had to run on it and cut those things. And uh, I was just, you know, had those big cavalry type boots on that comes to your knee, and it was like a cast because it swelled so big in there. And I just told everybody I got – because it's during a gunfight scene, and I told everybody, well, I just got shot in the leg. That's why I'm wimping, you know, because I'll pretend. Of course, everybody knew it was broke by that time. But, but you know, I had a uh, Jeff Davis, who's from uh, L.A., an actor from out there, and then I had another actor from Iowa. And they were going to be gone after Sunday, so I had to get their scenes in. And I and I was in their scenes, so there wasn't any, okay, let's do it next weekend. Let's do it Monday, Tuesday, whenever I get better. No, we had to get it done. I mean, I didn't have any choice, so I just – and what's funny like i said the, the only person that saw me hurt my leg was this man to help me on the horse and he went and found my wife and told her he says your husband's hurt and so i'm sitting out there on the horse trying to direct on my horse because i hadn't got off she walked over and said what did you do <laughs> i said get me some pain medicine because i take it from her back anyway and she goes what did you do now <laughs> I, I said well kind of hurt my leg she goes is it broke and i said think so but i'm not telling anybody <laughs> <laughs> it's all swollen up you're like uh, little bit <laughs> yeah it's just a little broke it's kind of like being a little pregnant it's just, it's just a little broke <laughs> <laughs> wow man and i think on the credits i think on the credits a showdown of brazos as we're rolling we're going to show a picture of the x-ray in, in, in the credits <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man <laughs> Wow. Just keep rocking and rolling and do what you gotta do. And it wasn't the horse's fault, and he's fine today, been in a lot more movies. So you know, I can't blame him for slipping, be like me, me or you slipping on the ice, you know, it just happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Man, I can't believe you did that.
0: (laughs) I can't either now. (laughs) You know, I've I've never broken a bone, but I've like sprained my ankle or stuff like that. And man, that hurt like a that fucking hurt bad, like yeah, I couldn't even yeah. imagine
1: breaking it. The... <laughs> it's a whole different pain, you know. As soon as you did it, you do it. It's just and all you can think about is laying, you know, laying down. I, I just all I wanted is quit, you know, all I want to do is lay down and prop it up. And a friend of mine that was there with me that night, he helped me get my boot off. I was glad I didn't have to cut it off. And the next day, I couldn't believe I got my boot on, but uh, kept it iced all night long. And my wife told him he was a cook, and she said, We'll cook you, follow Bill around. And took my director's chair, and he, she said, You follow him, and every time he stops, you make him sit down. And so here's my friend. Every step I take, he's right behind me with his chair, and he sets it down, and he says, Sit down. And I sit down, and I prop my foot up, and we kept the ice bag on the outside of the boot, taped up with duct tape. And then if I had to act, somebody would cut it off with scissors real quick, and I'd go act, and then come back and wrap it back up, and prop it back up, and, and direct from the chair there. I'd move a little bit, and he'd move my chair. So, <laughs> that's a good friend right there that's right that's right he's the best man in my wedding we've been friends ever since 1980 he's got your six man yeah he does he's got my six with the chair <laughs> <laughs> wow man
0: so um any uh uh do you have a certain date when um
1: sorry got your six is coming out soon right yes yes uh It'll be probably, hopefully, if it's selected in in the Arizona uh, Wild Bunch Film Festival, right where you're from, it'll be shown in October. And so I feel pretty confident that that's when I'm fixing to enter it in. And so uh, if it's selected to be shown there, that'll actually be the premiere. Uh, And then as soon as COVID lets us, we'll have one here in in, uh, Stephenville. And then we'll get it out, you know, distribution. There are distributions on on short films. And so we're going to try to do that first so we make them. Money and maybe put it on, you know, the the streaming videos, and so we'll we'll let you know when that happens. For but sure, man. Come on down to Wilcox. And I'll let you know, and if, if we make the finals, when you'll be able to keep up. Just check Wild Bunch Film Festival, and the results are going to come—not the results, but the finalists are going to come out August the third. And so today's the deadline, so that's why we're pushing it and getting it in. And uh, may, maybe you can come on down there and come out there and see us and uh, see it there on the big screen. Oh man, I would love to, man. You bet. Damn.
0: And, um, so you got anything else, uh, any novels, uh, or, you know, the movies, you're still working on those as well, right?
1: Yeah. I've got a novel on amazon.com you can pick up, uh, it's called uh, showdown on the Guadalupe. And then, uh, it's different from the movie. It's totally different. And then I've also got a play on amazon.com called windows home. It's that Vietnam one I was telling you about, it's a script. And then, uh. I heard the coil whistle is the one I'm working on now. We have not published it because we want to keep it under wraps until we made a movie out of it. And, and so that's kind of what we're working on right now. And so, like I said, changed into a screenplay and uh, it doesn't qualify for a lot of contests because it's 160 pages long. And, And they said, it's a little long for, you know, a lot of contests are only 120 pages. I said, I can't trim 40 pages out. I don't know. I just can't do it, you know. Like it's too good. Off, you know? <laughs> for sure. Which one do I want to lose? I don't want to lose any of them, you know. <laughs> you know, hey, so, uh, it's meant to be, right? That's right. That's right. You know, and the good Lord's had such a great blessing. You know, keeps opening doors like Evan Evans coming into our life for music. You know, I had all these people apply to music do the music for the showdown and I picked Evan and, and we've just become great friends. And, and it's just been such a great deal. And be able to meet people like you on these shows and, and just brought talent, unbelievable talent. And, and so it, just thank good Lord every day for, for, I pinch myself, you know, I get, I mean, I got, I've gotten to work with Pierce Brosnan, Christoph Waltz, uh, people like that. No, I'm just wow. no poor country boy, you know, grew up with nothing. I mean, I had nothing growing up and, and so I am thankful every day for what I've got. And and just to be able to do that means anybody that wants to make it can make it. Just gotta work hard enough.
0: That hard work pays off.
1: Mm-hmm. You bet. And yeah.
0: Well wow, man, and I'm glad you did that for the veterans as well. I mean, I'm sure you made their day right there. You know, I'm I'm sure they made a lot of friends and uh oh, you bet had some good times.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they're, they they can't wait to see it. And so they're all going to get to see it when we do the Stephenville show because they're, they're all from local, anywhere from San Antonio up to Dallas, you know, within driving distance. So they'll be able to come in and see the, the grand premiere. And, and they can all be VIPs, you know, give them all the, something to make them sure the VIP will have a big banner where they can get their picture made on the red carpet and the spotlights and all that. So we want to really play it up well for them. Wow. Red carpet, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, because most of them won't ever, go, you know, ever be in another movie, but get a red carpet treatment. You know, they need one as soon as they get home from the service, but but this is kind of repay all of them for what they've done and in the movie too, make them all feel really important.
0: That's so awesome, man. And I'm sure that movie will open people's eyes too about, you know, maybe about veterans, maybe their family members or people yeah. they know. Yeah, you bet. Hopefully. Wow, man. Well, great stuff, man. And uh, thank you
1: for coming on. Oh, you bet. Thank you. And I, I do want to throw this out there. If you're if you're a man over fifty, get a colonoscopy. I know it's kind of odd to bring that up, but hey, I, I went in for a checkup earlier in the summertime. It was time for a colonoscopy. I didn't get one because uh, you know, with COVID, they weren't giving away, you know, not giving away, they weren't doing them. We did two tests. I came back, tested positive for colon cancer. Oh no. Then went in and had a colonoscopy, got it taken care of. I'm cancer free now. But nice man. I not done what I did and wait until next year, put it off six months, put it off like most men do, we'd have been talking about something totally different next year, so my advice, men, if you're over 50, it's not a big deal, get your colonoscopy done, and you only have to do it once every five to eight years, and you're done, it was my eighth year, I had one back when I was 50, I had one now when I'm 58, and now I've got to have one every year, but I'd rather do that than have, you know, the cancer part of it, but but, you know, that's a shocker when the doctor calls you and tells you you tested positive for cancer. But we were real yeah. fortunate and caught it at stage zero and was able to re- remove that cancerous polyp and done. But like I said, if I hadn't gone in to the doctor, and it was just a general checkup. And and who goes in for those, you know, especially, man, we're working. We, we're tough. We, we don't have to go to the doctor, by golly, If we're not dying or a broke leg, you know, we don't go to the doctor. <laughs> right. and, uh, so, uh, but I, I just went in like, you know, like I – Thought I was supposed to and it was just that time and so uh, when I failed two tests and, and then we got the we got it done so there's a word, word when you get to be 50 it's time to get it checked good
0: advice man because I, I agree with you I you know I have worked with a lot of older men and I think a lot of people they kind of like they know it's like in the back of their mind but they're like eh it's not important you know
1: yeah, it just so happened I saw a friend of mine and I told him, I said, Boy, my attitude totally changed because I got a, uh, you know, a uh, news the other day that's changed my whole outlook. And he said, Yeah, I got the same thing. And how he knew I was, I was talking about his was stage three and he's having to wear a colonoscopy for two months. And they were fixed that week, they're fixed to go back in there and reconnect him. So, you know, the, if you don't take care of it now, the odds are you may have to have one of those and those won't be fun either. So take care of yourself and, and uh, make sure you get checked up and you know that's one of those diseases that there's really there are symptoms but they're so common you don't put the two and two together until they told me i failed and i started saying yeah i did these this yeah I, I yeah i had four of the five symptoms yeah I, I agree you know but before you get diagnosed you think it's just it's just normal you know but uh so so uh if you're over 50 go get checked
0: yeah i heard that's one of the deadliest right the colon cancer
1: the second deadliest uh, cancer there is Part of it is because there's no symptoms until it's too late, and so that's the problem. If I hadn't gone in for three years, well, I'd I'd be dead here in four years probably or so. So, uh, you know. So luckily we caught it, and I, and I'll go back every year to make sure it's 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 healthy, and because uh, you, you, when they tell you you got can't you start looking at everything around like we're just starting a vineyard, we got grandkids, we're just moving into a house, how can I leave my wife alone with all this kind of stuff, so you really, it, it changes everything when they tell you that, you all of a sudden become mortal, because, you know, when you, before that, you're immortal, you know, you're gonna live forever, at least till you're 80 or 90, you know, not, not 58, <laughs> and yeah. so all of a sudden, you start going, mm, maybe, and so, uh, So luckily, you know, my, my story turns out well. So hopefully everybody else's does too. So just stay, stay in touch and get checked out. I'm glad that happened, man. I'm glad you're well. Thank you. Got that done. Yep. It was a tough week or two there, but we got through it. So man,
0: break
1: break another leg. I don't care. Don't let me go through that other again. (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. Hope to see you in Arizona this, in October. For sure,
0: man. I mean, I would love to be there, man. Oh, my God. On the big screen. Yeah,
1: I'll let you know. Take care. Yeah, keep in touch, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye.
0: everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can find me at anchor.fm slash Screaming Chewy gmail There'll be three options for a monthly subscription. First one, I believe starts at a dollar a month, yo. Yeah, dollar a month. Yeah, and if you don't want to, that's cool. You can follow me on Facebook and YouTube, Screaming Chewy Show for some memes, some more videos for episodes, and behind the scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy So I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.